Today we're talking to Calico Cooper of Bistro Blanco, among other things. And um, where where are you located? I am in not so sunny Los Angeles, California, right now. It's not sunny in Los Angeles. It's sunny here, but it's freezing. Where are you? Outside of Chicago. Oh, dude. Okay. Well, so I actually lived in Chicago for a couple of years. I lived right off Lake Michigan, and I remember just the walk from the building to the car was like you were it go like you were in the story into the wild you're like all right i can do this i yeah. know no fear i mean that was cold to the next level right because you were right by the lake yeah it was brutal, it was brutal. <laughs> yeah yeah there were there's those times where um in the winter sometimes the lake will rise up over lakeshore drive and freeze and we even had frozen cars Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, I was a kid, but I remember like, do you guys still have like Kitty Land and all that there in Oak Park? Kitty Land. Like Geppetto's Pizza and all that? What's that? Geppetto's Pizza. Geppetto sounds right. Why were you living in Chicago for a couple of years? So I, my family lived there. We moved from uh, Los Angeles and we lived in Lake Point Tower. My mom and dad and I lived there for about, I want to say like two, three years. And my brother was born there. So he's wow. a Chicago native. That's that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised because your dad uh, was from Detroit. Mm -hmm. And then he moved, well, you know, so he was no stranger to the, the cold because it's got to be worse than Detroit because it's closer to Canada. Um, <laughs> I mean, but for years of touring, you kind of go, people go, oh, you're from California. I go, bro. I'm from planet Earth. At this point in my life, yeah, yeah, it shocks me. Like I have felt heat, unexplainable heat, in places where I go, this can't be real. And then, then cold where you go, people choose to live here. This is yeah, where, yeah, like it's crazy. But hey, there we are. Yeah, and your dad's still in Arizona, right? Yeah, my whole family's there except for me. I was the yeah. I was the rogue kid that moved away. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're the are you the only one that's in the the business? So, in a capacity, uh, everyone is kind of in the business. So, my mom, uh, right, your mom, I, you're right, right. So she originated the roles with my dad, and then like years went by, then I took over. Um, so she's back doing it now that I'm doing um, Bisto Blanco full time and film and and TV, and <laughs> and then my brother has a band called Co-op, and okay. it's uh it's like so, I, what I love it is it's so different from what di what my dad does, what I do. We all found a way to to kind of fulfill right. that like artist thing, but do it in a way that says, okay, I put my stamp on it. And then um, my sister is actually an SFX makeup artist. So she does like oh. zombie, like falling off face makeup for, for big clients and stuff. So yeah, in one capacity or another, we're all sort of plugged in. Okay. Yeah, because I would figure, I would figure one or you know more would just be like, okay, I just I want to be a dentist. <laughs> and, that, and the thing is, is that we went like you know everybody except for me uh, has a college degree. Uh, I wow. moved out at eighteen. I got a scholarship to this acting academy called Stella Adler. Okay. And, uh, it wasn't a college, but it was a, an acting academy. And at the time, I was. A professional dancer, meaning that I was like you know, getting paid to perform with companies, and I was teaching uh, 
all over the place. And I was, you know, 17, 18 years old. And I thought that that's what I was going to do because I've spent my whole life training to, to do that. And I was good enough, you know, where people were starting to go, do you want to move to New York? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And um, I would moonlight as an actor, meaning like if somebody needed me for a commercial or somebody needed me for whatever, um, I was happy to do it. But anytime you let me off the leash, I would just start going and, and, and telling jokes and acting and doing this whole thing. And I remember sitting down with the head of the dance company that I was working for. And he said, you have two choices. He said, you're good enough to go pro. He's like, I will personally recommend you go to New York. There are some companies that would hire you and you could live there and do this. He said, or you could move to Los Angeles. And he said, and make people laugh for the rest of your life. And I think that that's, what God kind of puts you on this planet to do. And I went, I'd never, I mean, I guess I love making people laugh, but it just never occurred to me. So off I went, um, I went for the scholarship, I got it. And then I discovered in those years, like, wow, being in an artist family really does take all shapes and all forms. You know, I, I, I realized I could play other people really easily without a trace of myself in it. It was really cool to kind of like the moment you learn you can paint or you have a, a talent right. for an instrument, which I do not. So, yeah, so that was a really cool kind of way of, of expressing my myself on like a branch of a family tree that's going to be rooted in art no matter what. Yeah. Now, how, how much um, influence do you think just being around? I mean, your dad is such a, a another, number one, an icon. Number two, such a multifaceted artist. He's... He's not just a, a singer, you know, he's not just a, you know, not just a rock god and all that stuff, but he's, he also is a performance artist in a lot of ways mm-hmm. with his stage stuff over the years, you know, and that, you know, that, that became like a real thing. And, and you, you know, I forgot really, you know, cause I grew up, I, I was born in the seventies. So I was growing up in the era of, you know, Alice Cooper and Kiss and, and Glam and all that, that kind of stuff where like theatrical theatricality really became a big deal um and you know when i've i've been listening to the underground garage little steven van zant's channel and he's really kind of brought me back to realizing that you know your dad started as a garage rock artist you know in in detroit and everything and i i love that his your dad's new album um and i i trust me i'm i want to talk about you but i just to give you just oh, we can, it's totally yeah. understandable we're, we're right. in this day and age i feel like legacy families were sort of synonymous and you can either take the the path of being like i want nothing to do with this and i right. am me which i am but at the same time it's like if you take all the strip the celebrity and everything away like those are my parents and i'm really proud of them and i'll talk yeah. about them all day if you let me but like yeah. the, his new album detroit stories it's so a, cool. Isn't it cool? Yeah. And people didn't get what I what I think is so funny is our love will change the world. People were like, I hate it. It's a pop song. If you listen to the lyrics, it's so middle finger. It's basically he's talking about how all the people like my generation and under look at the world and all of its like deep rooted, incredible problems and go, our love will change the world. 
like yeah. if we could love each other like yeah. it'll be so beautiful and and that's why it was sung so like sing-songy but what is still so punk rock about him is that he didn't explain it and i love that i love that yeah. he didn't go well it's not supposed to be like that it's, you know what I mean? he just put it out there right it's like, it's either yeah. you get it or you don't right and yeah. uh, i sang on all those tracks um because that whole record was made in Detroit and all this, you know, all that stuff, but all of the background vocals um, were done at my parents' house where I quarantined for like the first yeah. half of this pandemic. And, you know, Bob Ezra and the producer was like, you know, hey, Callie, can you do uh, about 67 different little kid voices? I said, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm upstairs in the, in the recording studio our love will change the world over and over and over again that's that's pretty cool but they helped me too it was it was such a flip-flop of uh responsibility because in that same quarantine we got a call from uh rolling stone in europe and they and they said hey we want bisto blanco my band to do live session now bisto is a very visual band it's very comic booky it's very you know, our shirts yeah. are in hot topic, you know, kind of thing. It's very like communicable to like the comic book era um, and people that appreciate that kind of stuff, which is me. Um, yeah. But we'd never done anything unplugged. And I didn't know if Bisto could, I, I knew the songs were good because my dad always said, it's got, you got to have good songs and then anything else, any wild icing just makes it cooler. Yeah. So, I was really putting my money where my mouth was, where I was like, are these songs really gonna work without all the theatrics and the makeup and the and the dancing and the explosions and the whole thing? So my dad was so helpful. He like set up the camera and like was sitting on the ground, like, and I'm, you know, I'm singing my heart out. And at the end of it, they were like, that was Bisto Blanco and blah, 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 blah. And we kind of like waved goodbye and it cuts. And I was like, what do you think? And he goes, that was great. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, of course, dads and moms have to say that was yeah. great. But then we started getting what I really, I think I needed that last little push that I needed to really believe that Bisto uh, was, was as good as I felt like it was. Um, people started writing in going, I cannot believe that was live. I cannot yeah. believe that it sounded so incredible acoustic and live and that you were able to do all that stuff that was on the record and i'm still from the rock world where you go what do you mean the stuff you did i sang on the record but yeah. a lot of people don't yeah. so it's really cool to kind of like gingerly flex that muscle and go thank you very much <laughs> yeah, this is something something else you can maybe look into doing next time uh yeah. the last album was out in 2019 now you mentioned Rolling Stone Europe, and I know that this is common nowadays for rock. Rock is is obviously still got its footing here in America, but it's huge in Europe and like uh, Slavic nations. I know, uh, you know, like you know, Baltic, the Baltic area, and, and stuff like that. You know, they love rock music still, and it's it's not necessarily out of fashion. I mean, you can still get when we have them again festivals that based on rock music that draw you know hundreds of thousands of people or whatever oh yeah oh yeah the the festivals over there it's really a triumph um for those countries because 
you know, I go over there and, you know, would play these massive, I mean, Bisto Balanco's played Metapaloos and like, I mean, there's a hundred thousand people there. Yeah. And everybody, people know the words and you're going, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then, you know, we can come to the US and play for 500 people and they all know the words and they're just as emphatic. But I think that it's, we get a lot more um, uh, pelted with a lot more um, media and information and stuff here in the States. And so it's like every five minutes, there's something newer and cooler. And we're a little more dependent, I feel like, on uh, the social media and things like that. Like, you know, I get calls all the time, like, you need to put post more pictures on social media. You need to put, and I'm going, I don't have anything to say. But then when I scroll, yeah. there's no, nobody else does either. They're just like, yeah. this is my cup of coffee. Yeah, 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 but yeah. You, but I know that's how it works. And so I'm not above doing that just to reach out and stay in touch with fans, which I actually like to do. So, but I love going to Europe and just the energy of those crowds is so intense. And you're going to see like right before the pandemic, I was noticing that we would play these big festivals in Europe and we'd see a lot of our like American diehard fans in the crowd and they will make the trip to yeah. this, you know these festivals because it's worth it for them to see their favorite band in a in an arena or a massive festival where there's just like this love and energy and like it's really especially Bisto is a very like it's not us and you it's like we and there's yeah. a lot of like fan interaction and a lot of like you know we're not like don't touch us get away yeah. <laughs> it's really immersive yeah, I mean, um, and that's that's the interesting thing about the people that will show up to the shows here in, in smaller places and go over there because they get to have the best of both worlds here. Yeah, know? I do love the vice versa. Like, like, we played the Knitting Factory in New York. And oh, my I, God, yeah. I remember coming out front and, you know, we're finishing sound check, and I'm looking, and I'm like, how in the hell? And there's these three people that have flown from the U.K. just for the show yeah. at the knitting factory because they wanted to see Bisto at the knitting factory and get the shirt. Right. And I just, I think it's those moments where you go like, wow, you know, this is, this is really taking, taking flight. You start seeing people right. with tattoos, Bisto tattoos, and you start like, you know, seeing fan pages and things pop up that you didn't know about. And you really feel like, well, now I want to do my best. <laughs> now yeah. I really want to see what I can do here. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, like the the uh, the fact that rock music here has been kind of pushed aside. And like I said, it's not like it's gone. I mean, it's just like you know, uh, it's not just like, but I mean, jazz had its day, and it, it kind of still is around. But I, I would hate to see rock disappear. I, I don't know what rock needs to get a foothold. Maybe it's a, it's the next generation, perhaps that says, "I'm sick of this pop stuff." and yeah. Oh, I, I, I want to. My parents are into, you know, uh, <laughs> BTK or whatever the hell. I don't know. Does that that's a serial killer? I don't know which, whatever that, that Korean <laughs> pop group was. <laughs> yeah, I I think that that the real like messiahs of what you're talking about now are going to be people that bridge that gap. Um, you know, people. And, and I hope to be one of those people because we're working right now with the producer that 
did a lot of number one pop hits and they're going to see how Bisto can fit into that world and still keep it ugly and still keep it edgy and still keep it, you know, nefarious, but you know, we want to, we want to work and we want, you know, to diversify because think about somebody like an Alice Cooper from the sixties to today or Madonna from when she started to today, the arc of that career. So I don't feel handcuffed to anything and and Bisto yeah. really plays we've played metal festivals we've played you know the like dark stoner rock festivals we've played pop festivals we've played <laughs> I mean, because it sells as pop too you have a big seven foot tall you know girl in boots with things exploding it's like you can't it fits <laughs> everywhere yeah. so it's people like us and like you know uh like a Travis Barker who's one of the most incredible drummers of any time, really, truly. And, you know, he can play with anybody and he does. And I think the cool thing is, is people that like Blink-182 now might listen to a Machine Gun Kelly song. But if he also played with like, you know, a Paul McCartney, some 13 year old kids like, who's that? And that might bridge some kind of gap. So I think it's on the younger people that are getting listens not to there's no pity in it i just think it's like crossovers are are key always yeah i mean i, th- I think there, there there's gonna come a time where like somebody's gonna say hey i i i'm rejecting you know i just like it happened originally i'm rejecting my parents music uh you know this sounds too sanitized i want something raw and and maybe but um one one warning i i i have with regards to whoever this pop producer is just just be careful because you don't want to have it turn into that Chris Cornell Timbaland album. No, no. <laughs> no, I'm really aware of like I'm I'm not very easily um like I know what Bisto is. And and I heard it said really well the other day. Um great rock musician, this guy Damon Johnson, uh was talking about Bisto. Um and he was in Brother Kane and all these really cool bands. And uh he was like you know, Bisto Blanco is sort of the Spice Girls of rock and roll. He goes, there isn't a lead singer. He goes, you have a favorite Bisto. Like, he goes, so rock and roll, and it's a brain. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. Like, you couldn't go solo. It wouldn't be Bisto. You couldn't have a progressive pop record. Like, it wouldn't be Bisto. And so yeah. we're making this record now, and the the producer was saying, I said, well, do you want me to sing it like this and I did like a really like clear pop like big thing and I said or like this and he goes what was that voice and I go uh let's label it the crow witch (laughs) and so he literally labeled it on the monitor crow witch voice and he goes always that voice always that voice so I'm like okay well how how does now let me ask you this I mean you obviously had some sort of artistic training and you you know grew up on it within you know touring and everything with your dad's band where does that ability to kind of come up with completely different voices come from or is that something because most people have a range and they sing in that range and that's how you identify by somebody you know sometimes people have a couple but then you're if you're talking about able to be able to pull out like a bunch of different stuff Mm-hmm. I mean, where where does that come from? Is that something that you just kind of feel like it was there and you just grab it? Yeah, I think you can 
you may be born with it, but you can also definitely nurture it. Like for me, um, when I was a kid, when I would sing along to the radio, I wouldn't sing in my voice. I would try to make my voice sound like whoever was singing. So like, right. and, and nobody taught me how to do it. I would just change my accent or the way my mouth moved. And I would get as close to the sound of that person's voice as I could. And not being serious, you know, just like joking around. And then I noticed, you know, in my teens, when I would tell a story, I would do it in everybody's voice. And so I've always been like a, like a parakeet. I'm able to manipulate my voice to sound like, like other things. And, you know, for a while I, I paid most of my bills doing voiceover, you know, because somebody said, we need somebody to sound like uh, Amy Poehler. And I was like, okay. And then I'd listen to her for a minute and then I would do it. And I, I've just always had that talent, but you can definitely um, cultivate it. And I, and that's where, when we started Bisto, Chuck, the, the singer with the sideburns and the thing, um, he, um, he said, I really want, the idea was to have me be sort of like this Barbarella cave girl in the back, like doing kind of like a twisted doo-wop thing, but like up on a podium with like an old mic and just the visual of me doo-wopping dressed like, you know, sort of a, a cave woman was like the idea. And I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. Like I'm not a singer and I never will be and I don't want to be in a band, but I, I will do that for a tour. It'll be fun. We'll go to Europe and hear some rock music. And then I noticed after about three shows, I couldn't stay on the podium. It just, my, the impulse was I knew that I could make this part better if I did this or if I did that. And it's the instinct for cutting your teeth, working with Alice Cooper, you know, for so many years, I know what's possible. I know what an audience is seeing. I know uh, how to make this work on this scale. And so he really let me go. And as the records progressed, he would say, can you sound like Mae West? <laughs> and I went, yeah. So when we covered Frankenstein, I'd never done it before. I got up to the mic and I was like, uh, <clears throat> well, uh, well, uh, no. Uh, and I did it a couple times until it came out and it sounds like Mae West is doing the intro for our version of Frankenstein. Yeah. And then on the last record, We Are, I really discovered um, my range. I really discovered that I could sing and just listening to singers like Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm and stuff, I would sing along to her stuff in the car and I would hit those notes and go, oh, whoa, I can, okay, I can do it. Not, I mean, not anywhere as, as clean, but I was getting there. Right. And so I would go into the studio and they would go, okay, sing this. And then I'd sing it an octave higher and louder. And they'd go, okay, if yeah. that's what you want to do. So songs like um, Solitary Rave and Perception were sort of like an intro to this new record where they just let me completely off the leash. Yeah. They're like, let's just see what you can do. And it's so big. It's so great. I love it. I'm so excited for it to, <laughs> to come out. When, um, well, let me, I'm going to get into recording at this time, but when do you think that might come out? Um, it's looking like probably fall. I think so this hopefully, hopefully maybe you'll be able to, if things work out okay, might be able to start touring again. 
That would be fantastic. I mean, right now uh, we have a show, um, you know, we've always sort of been in bed with the Monsters of Rock, which um, was interesting. They kind of took a chance on us like six years ago. Uh, and I and I get it. Like, you're an idiot if you don't think that when Monsters of Rocks did their, their cruise and they were like okay well we have alice cooper's daughter and his bass player and it's a really visual looking thing so let's okay fine let them on they can play the pool stage in the middle of the day and instead of going well i never we were like all right then so we turned up on that first monsters of rock cruise and bang and i came out hot just like fire <laughs> and chuck was just sure i mean and the band Yawn, Chris, Sean, everybody was like, just like stunting. It, it, like to the nth degree. I watched those videos that first show. I'm like, damn, try hard. But we were like, just showing everybody that we weren't just some celebrities kid and bass player that got led on the boat. So the next year, the very next year, we were headlining. We got the, the theater. We closed the whole boat out. And so they really got us in front of people that went, who is that? And I was so shocked that how many people didn't know who I was. It was great. And so those were our first real fans. And so they kind of like spread the word. And then we started playing like with mega death on the mega cruise. And like, it just, this balloon blew up. And then our labels going, how do we push you? Cause you're so, like, we could put you on tour with a Kesha. Right. We could put you on tour with a Fallout Boy. We could put you on tour with with Megadeth. You know, we played with suicidal tendencies. All these people. So, I'm just really happy that I've managed to create something, along with like guys that are so good at what they do. Like my dad said, you cannot have a good show without that backbone. And these guys are so cool, man. They have no they're not on any trip. Yeah. They're not on any, if I go, listen, but I've earned that trust. There's been a couple times where I said, guys, this is what's going to happen in this song. And everyone sort of looked at each other and I said, you got to trust me. And yeah. they did. And then the review is like, oh my God, this thing happened. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I got, when you were talking about the cruise thing, I, I got to admit, until the last several years, I had no idea how big these, you know, uh, cruise things were. I mean, there's like, there's all tons of them. First of all, I personally, especially after last year, I don't think I, I will ever get on a cruise. Um, myself. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> tough to, even when there wasn't a pandemic, it, it was yeah. like, but they were very like, every time you turn a corner, there's somebody with hand sanitizer. They're like, washi, washi, washi. Yeah. Yeah. So that's literally the call. They call washi, washi. If you don't, if you walk by them uh, and you don't give them your hands, you're like, oh, sorry. Really on the cruise, they, that's weird. Everywhere. There's people that are hired to like follow you around and make sure that it's like. That you're washing your hands. <laughs> and I can't say for every cruise. I can only say for, for monsters and uh, mega cruise and stuff. But yeah. Our next show was scheduled to be the Mega Cruise at the end mm -hmm. of May. And so what they've done is really genius. They rented, rather than say, oh, sorry, I guess we, we give up. They rented an island. Uh -huh. So there's this big island, and I it looks like, up to this moment, it's still on. 
it's called like Rockaway Beach and it's it's all these really cool fun bands and it looks like it's still going. So yeah. we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully people are doing the occasional thing that people are doing the drive through, you know, concerts where they can and um I know one? what's that? Have you been to one? No, I haven't been to a concert since November 2019. I haven't been to one since that we were in the middle of our show. I think it was, I think it was in either Utah or Detroit. I, I can't remember, but I remember in the middle of the show, uh, one of our, you know, we have a suspension of disbelief. So it's sort of like uh, we're in a world. So there's no like technicians on stage. They're in costume if they have to come or go. So our, our one uh, props master, Lee, comes on and he's going, we got to cut it. We're in the middle of fantasy land here, you know. He's like, they're shutting the building down. and you Really? Know. Yeah. So I hadn't I, heard of anybody shutting down their show while it was happening. <laughs> it was intense because we, we knew about it before, but it was really unclear if it was like a mandate or... They were just suggesting. So everybody was already at the show. All the people were already inside. We'd already met all our VIPs. And we were like, what do we do here? So we just went ahead. And then after about a half an hour, we got the sign. And, you know, we respect the club owners and the theater owners. We would never want to put them in a position where they could get in trouble. So, I mean, we're professionals enough to be like, da-da-da-da-da-da, wrapped. And then, you know, bowed and, and promised we'd be back and, you know, did you have to give the announcement? The club owner did. Okay. Yeah, he explained. But we had 15 shows left. Yeah. That we, you know, we still have to do. So I don't know. I feel like every day is a new thing. Yeah. What's happening? We don't know. But we're we're ready. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, how does working on an album right now work for for you guys? Um everybody has kind of got a rhythm going here um at this everybody's point. in la uh no and that's the crazy thing so i'm chris latham brother latham and i the guitar player and i are in la sean sellers our drummer is in santa barbara which is about two hours away and then jan our bass player is in germany yeah. and chuck the other singer is in nashville but <clears throat> thanks to the magic of technology um, Chuck will come in and uh, with everybody and that is in California proper and we can be in the studio and then, you know, we'll Skype yawn in or, you know, call him or whatever. And that's how we have to do it right now. It used to be everybody would just come in. Right, obviously, yeah. But now, you know, unless it's mandatory for him to travel, we kind of got to go, okay, thank God for Zoom. Yeah. Well, how does that work? Does he record? Do they record their parts? So we do a full demo. The way we do it is we do full, complete demos first. So Chuck is a bass player. He's a bass player for my dad, for Alice. Right. And so he's fully capable of playing those parts. So he'll play them, right, for the demos, and then I'll do all the singing, and everybody puts their, their stuff on it. And then once we decide what's actually going to make the record – then we'll get everyone together, final cut of everything. Gotcha. But we know what he's gonna play before he right. gets there. So it's so not you make it so you gotta figure you get it figured out completely. That way you're spending less time in a studio. Yeah. When you that's 
actually both brilliant for multiple reasons. Number one, you're going to save money. Yeah. Um, number two, you know, it's just great to not have to spend forever making an album. Yeah. I mean, we're not, we're not out there. We, you know, we love getting good responses. We love it when people say, Oh, this is my favorite song. This is my favorite record, but we want to just make music. We want to keep making music. And I'm so excited about the stuff that we're doing. Like, I used to make fun of my friends that were in bands before I was in a band where you, you know, you can't get in their car without them going, all right, dude, here's my new demo. And you're like, Oh God. Oh God. (laughs) You have to be nice about it. You're like, yeah, I love the kazoo in that part. That really went off. That was pretty, pretty sick. Um, And don't you dare be honest because then it's like, well, I'm sorry that I'm not, I'm like, okay, so we're just going to not be honest. But uh, I think I've been probably held captive in more cars where it's like, okay, so we're going to listen to the whole album and I want you to take notes. I'm like, I appreciate that you want my opinion. And I never thought I'd be that person, but I swear, I, I don't think I have been before this record. Now, anytime anyone gets in the car, I'm like, buckle up, baby. We're listening to the demos. <laughs> That's cool. Um, well, let, you know, we've talked a little bit about uh, growing up in, in a famous household um, and then deciding to strike on your own in this way. What, what sort of, I guess, you were on stage with your dad, you know, for a while. 11 years. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, what kind of pushback have you gotten uh, over the years as being, you know, the product, the the progeny of a, of a famous person trying to strike out on your own? Um, honestly, probably more theatrically than musically. I feel like Alice fans, as a rule, I mean, there's some rogue, crazy people yeah. here and there, but. Alice fans, as a rule, have have a sort of musical appreciation and uh, an open mind where if you like Alice Cooper, you might like a certain era of his better than others, but you don't not listen to that a record. Right. That, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, it's not my favorite, but it's part of the catalog, right? Right. So we're lucky enough to uh, have those fans. We were lucky enough to... Uh, get people that were championing us rather than tearing us down. And so we got incredibly blessed having those people show up and talk good about us on the internet and post amazing pictures. And then people who didn't know where we were, or who we were or our legacy or anything sort of just went, man, I saw some shit tonight that blew my mind. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and that means, you know, just as much because you didn't know, you didn't have any sort of notion. So there's a, you know, the odd guy out that uh, will say something disparaging, um, you know, like, well, it would be easy for me to break into the music industry because people were always saying, how did Bisto get as big as they did so quickly? Mm-hmm. And people's comments are, well, of course, you know, the daughter of a rock star. Let me tell you something. I have been, I moved to Los Angeles in 2000. Yeah. To, to start an acting career. And I never 
called in a favor. I never had anybody calling for me, you know, going, well, I'll do this if you put my daughter in this or that. Like, and I think probably in a younger age, I would have wanted that. But now I understand like every show, every time I walk onto like the Warner Brothers back lot, because I'm shooting something that day, I never once look at myself in my trailer thing and go, you are only here because somebody in production likes your dad's music. I can look at myself and go, you have studied with every major acting coach. You have slept in cars. You have like done it. And so I brought that same thing into Bisto. You know, we didn't get a tour bus and get put up at the four seasons. We started off in a van like everyone else. And it was so cool for, for Chuck and I, especially to do that because it's like reliving this like great thing that you see in movies where like, you know, we came from the Alice tour where he earned it. It is nice hotels and it is great buses and it is all that stuff. And we did that. Chuck is, is still doing that. Yeah. And we went back to Vans and it was some of the best times in my life. I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't miss it just a little. Cause now we have the bus and we have, you know, all that. But I just remember like just being in the van and just like laughing so hard you have to pull over and just like these ridiculous rock and roll stories of like getting held up at the border and you know like we have a million stories for a band that's only eight years old yeah you know and because we did it the not easy way and the pushback really um has only ever been uh in my own head where people will review the show and they mean well, they mean positive when they go, oh my gosh, it's like seeing Alice in his heyday in the 70s, right? Or in the 80s, like Calico moves like him. She's, you know, animated like him. And I used to take that quietly as a defeat. Yeah. Like, I want you to see me. I want you to see what I'm doing. And I could never understand that where they're like, oh, she looks so much like her dad. I'm like, when is the last time that my dad like did a backflip off of a, you know, <laughs> but you see what you want to see. And once I, 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 I wouldn't advise it at his age, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't advise it at any age, but I do it because I, I just sort of lose myself in that character. But, um, once I realized what a massive compliment that that was, um, and that, I wasn't getting any hate online. Right. People were like, oh God, if I have to sit through this piece of crap, it was all really nice. And the compliments were really nice and saying, oh, she looks like her dad or she moves like her dad. I just reprogrammed my brain to see where it was coming from. And usually it's a it's a Facebook page or an Instagram page where it's all Alice, Alice everything coming from this person that is the absolute highest honor that they yeah. could bestow on me yeah. and and i got it finally i got it and i went right. okay great then great yeah but filming tv is tough because they want you to do reality more than than anything so whenever i book right. a, like a series like an actual like tv show playing someone i'm not it's like a small victory where i'm like ha ha <laughs> I've gotten out of the muck. Now, what what 
what geared you towards acting? I mean, obviously you were in the, in the Stella Adler and, you know, the company and everything, but I mean, it, so and obviously you would, at first thought you were going to be doing dance, you were doing the tours with your dad, and then you, you also decided you wanted to act, and, and then you, you know, you also brought on more of your musical side with, with, uh, with Bisto, was is there one that you prefer to the other or do you like the fact that you can do all of them um i really don't think there's anything quite like commanding a live audience when you have a a, a bunch of real people hanging on your next movement in the palm of your hand it's it's so there's something so amazing about that but then take it to the next level like i said where it's not you up there and them down there it's this cool moment of like we all have decided that this is the world we're in right now and it's it's that way with plays it's that way but with with music i'm playing somebody the character i play in bisto blanco is so far from who i am it's the absolute like it's my beast. That's what Bisto Blanco is. It's like this thing that's inside of you that, you know, society has shut down and your family, your friends that have told you like, that's too much or that's too this or that's too that. It's like a Hulk. Yeah. And all of the band's Bisto looks different, which is kind of like that Spice Girls reference where when you take away my sense of humor, and you take away my um, my kindness and my patience and all the things that sort of make me calico sitting here, you know, talking to you. Um, uh, my eloquence, you know, I'm very gentle. Uh, and you take all that away, like what's sort of, not even the ugly, but the animal, what does that animal look like? And for me, it's this seven foot tall, dreadlocked sort of creature that only really understands um domination and consumption and and enjoys it it's sort of like like there's a mechanical heart underneath there it's like this biometric thing and i never sat down and figured that out it sort of like grew legs on stage and i was like "Ooh, that feels good whatever felt good hedonistically I sort of did it and it turns out it was never raunchy. It was never, you know, naked. It was never whatever. It was like this like super villain that sort of like bloomed out. And then I look over at Chuck who is like an amazing dad, like a philanthropist, like teaches, does like all this great things. And I look over and there's this werewolf over there with this hair and no shirt on and like a 29 pack. And he's like, ah! And, <laughs> I think that like, that's the beauty of creating, you know, something like that. So I think as far as being an actor, I was finally able to push together the years of professional dance, um, all the singing that I'd done in, in theater, musical theater, whatever. And just my, my compulsion to love to play somebody that I'm not and see how far I can push it. Right. And I mean, I'm not saying I would have backed off if nobody bit, but you know, my my first couple auditions in in LA I got and it was so humiliating <laughs> because for the first couple of years um 
I was really young, you know, I was like 19 years old. I had blonde hair, you know, big green eyes. So I was always booking like hot waitress number one. Yeah. You know, and and then it was like, you know, uh, like drunk hooker at party. <laughs> and like, ah, and but I learned I never looked at it as like, oh, this is beneath me. I would play my drunk hooker character and be like, I'm crazy. I don't know where I am right now. And then I would stop and I would watch what was going on. Right. I would learn the terms, camera, okay, sound speeding. And I go, what does that mean? And I was taking everything in. And then if I'm going to get hired to play a drunk hooker, I'm going to be the best one you have ever seen. <laughs> and I had a lot of fun doing it. And I met so many really great actors that are playing those parts, trying to climb, you know, the ladder. And they go, oh, yeah, I've studied Stanislavski and this and that, but this is what's going to pay my cell phone bill. So cool. Now I have the luxury of saying, you know, I'm obviously that's that's not the kind of jobs I take anymore. Um, but I remember and I remember yeah. thinking I'm not going to waste this day. I'm going to learn everything that I can about everything that I can. And so yeah. slowly like bigger shows like Hawaii Five O and like stuff for the Disney channel and things started coming through. And if you think, you know, it's like genres of rock, you know, you can, if you're a great metal player, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can play Santana stuff, right? you know? And so musically it's the same with acting. Like I was so like, high comedy and everything's great so i'm easy on the disney channel that was meant for me the, you know the the kids sitcoms i was like larger than life then you get a show like hawaii Five O, and it's a procedural and they're two inches from your face where it can literally the camera can read your mind you do nothing and it can read exactly what's going on and i learned in the hot seat you know i'm going oh my gosh this is not working what am i going to do am i going to get fired ah and so I would adjust. Then again, procedural to kids comedy. Then I did the Mindy Project, which is a multi-cam, you know, massive comedy show. There's a middle ground there, you yeah. know? And so they, that's just like with, with anything, um, learning, you should learn all types of guitar if you play guitar. Right. Be great at one, but learn the other ones. Even if you suck, like I'm probably right. going to do Shakespeare, but I'll tell you what, I read it. I understand it. Right. How does, um, how do you balance, um, sorry, give me one second, sorry, I was distracted by something. How do you balance uh, acting and, and music? Um, I think it's it becomes easy uh, when it's sort of first come, first serve. My passion is uh, is Bisto Blanco. I, I, I love where it's going. It's, its momentum gives me fuel to keep pushing forward with it. Yeah. So I spend my, by relaxing quote unquote hours, <laughs> um, writing and thinking about what I want to do for the show and building machines for the stage. Like I build all that stuff with right. my tiny little boy. Really? Oh yeah. That's cool. So, um, so I figured it was just easier than I kept trying to explain to people. Okay. So I want this chair that when I step up on it, the black light hits it and all the words that were invisible are now visible. And people would go, okay. 
I can do it, but it's going to take a month and it'll cost you a thousand dollars. I'm like, or I could do it today right. myself. Like it's just, so um, it's helpful that most of the guys in Bisto are incredibly crafty. That helps too. But um, I spent all my time doing that and thinking about that and, and sort of like ruminating on, on things that inspire me. You know, I could watch the old Mad Max and there's a frame where I go, oh, that's it. We're doing that, right? Yeah. And I'll get a call that says, hey, you booked the show on CBS. And I go, okay, cool. Pause for a second on this creative freight train. And then I go into sort of this land. And there's only been a couple times there's been a train wreck where I booked a movie and we booked a massive tour okay. at the same time. And this is literally, God, please let this be the only time this happens. Um, neither would budge. It was this massive tour uh, with this band called The Uncles, who were like the U2 of Germany. They play like two nights in a row sold out at the Mercedes-Benz Arena, like Taylor Swift over there. And they wanted us to open for them. And we were like, and so I had booked a movie and it was a big enough movie that I was like, what do I do? So they had to do the first entire week without me. Wow. And it was the best thing that could have happened because they did it. They stood on their own. They always could. I came in later. Bisto was a band prior to me. Right. And I think it was awesome for them to kind of like get back to like, you know, you can't hide behind the seven foot girl. And they had the time of their lives. They were sending me videos and going, we melted faces tonight. So then when I came back, I felt like I had to make my presence known. I was like, oh, yeah. Watch yeah, this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't can't let them get the idea they could do it without you. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> long term at least. Yeah. Maybe you, keep I'll get... you keep mentioning seven feet tall. How tall are you? So I without uh without my stage boots on. Uh-huh. I'm only five seven. But I Jesus, wear these boots. Oh yeah, but I wear these boots and then I also have my stage dreads that are almost a foot tall. Okay, so the dreads with the dreads, you're seven. Gotcha. With dreads, I'm, I'm about- So there's no way you're wearing a foot, nearly a foot and a half tall boot. <laughs> no. Um, Might as well be stilts. Boots, I'm hitting about, it's probably about six and a half. Wow. Honestly, about six and a half. How but, long did it take to learn to walk around on those? Um. <laughs> trial and error i think i i tried to do it without them but there's something about the my character sort of taking this weird like cyborg paramilitary turn which it was not at the beginning mm-hmm. and so now there's something about from the waist up it's like this you know, um, this flight jacket and it's got the medals, the military medals, and I've got scars all over my face and like battle armor on my arms. And then from the waist down, I've got these like knee high, you know, seven inch boots on. And there's something I feel like I'm saying there where it's like, I may be in seven inch boots, but I will wipe the floor with you. (laughs) That's crazy. Have you ever had any accidents wearing the boots? Oh, uh, yeah. But very few. I mean, I wield a bat with spikes. I've got all Lord. kinds of like, like props. 
but it's it's all a very visual tactile show like i stick it out into the crowd and people grab onto it it's just such a a tactile bringing the audience in. i've always been so passionate about that um but we were on stage once and we were playing it was on one of those cruises and we just so happened to get the time slot where the whole boat is rocking oh, God, back and yeah. forth and i mean people are holding the amps still and yeah. i'm up there in seven inch heels trying to do my show which is like death defying at best at least and there's a part where i stand up on this chair in my seven inch boots yeah and i put my one foot on the guitar player's head and I'm singing, and I remember climbing up there, and I could almost hear the speeches at my funeral. I was like, I'm dead. This is it. But I couldn't stop because that character honestly doesn't feel fear. Right. And so I stepped right up, and the whole stage is going like this. And I put my foot up and I, you know, did the big note. And I jumped down and I go, I cannot believe I literally just defied gravity. <laughs> then the lights go out and the ship ruts and I just fall over like a tree, not on the chair, not on the amp. I just fell over on the ground. <laughs> I just, it was like when they said, when the guy came, um, was it Buzz Aldrin or no, Neil Armstrong came back from the moon unharmed and then slipped and fell in a shower and broke his leg. Yeah, like that yeah. is what happened to me. <laughs> I just toppled over and it's on video. I'm standing and then you see the boat go like this and I'm like, whoop. <laughs> could not do it but you were okay oh yeah i don't yeah but I got a fall you need help getting, like, did you need help getting up <laughs> my pride forbids it and i didn't break character i fell over and then i just sort of like laid on the ground for the first half of the next right. song like yes enjoy me enjoy yeah. all of this <laughs> but that's something else my dad always said he said hey if you make a mistake do it over and over and over again until the audience thinks that it's your shtick. Right. And so for the rest of that show, I started like Jack Sparrowing all over the stage, like sort of like tripping and falling, not like, but like, like almost like a sloppy, like sailor. Yeah. And I just made it my thing and nobody said anything because they thought it was That's a genius. <laughs> it really is. That's great. Well, I, I, I think I've gone over, yeah, a little bit over a lot of time. No, 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 no. I, I, I got everything and more, and this was a real treat, actually. I I said this to somebody else the other day who I, I did honestly didn't know a whole lot about, but sometimes I like talking to people that I don't know much about, and then I kind of go, you know, retro, and I, you know, ret retroactively go back and check everything out. It's yeah. kind of nice. I, it's almost sounds lazy, but I like to sometimes just know the basics just so I'm, I, I kind of, it's like I'm hearing this for the first time, which may happen with many other people too. So. Well, what's cool is like you meet me here, right? right. And you could have already come into this with all these like, you know, things like, okay, she's going to be like this or that. And the band's yeah. going to sound like this or that. But now that you've met me, yeah. you know, you can go on YouTube and I would say, Think about the person you're talking to now. Yeah, yeah. And then go watch Solitary Rave and uh -huh. The Secret. And I directed both of those videos within a one-week period. Yeah. Sitting in this closet that I'm in, just furiously going, 
I wonder what I can do. I wonder how I can make this happen. So, <laughs> Isn't it amazing how technology is nowadays? I bless it. Bless yeah. it for all it's doing. Well, I, I, I'm very happy that this went well, and I'm very happy that you guys are doing well, and that your your dad's doing well. Uh, I, I've, you know, he's been one of those guys that um, I, I won't say like I'm a, a giant fan, but I've always been an appreciator. He's a guy that's he managed to to stick around and be an influence to a great many people. I mean, without him, there wouldn't have been any, there wouldn't have been Kiss, there wouldn't have been Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, all those guys. And, um, you know, I just think it's cool that he's influenced his children to do their own thing in their own way as well. So I, it's pretty awesome to talk to you. And I'm really eager now to, like I said, re retroactively go back and check everything out. Yeah, yeah. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. I will do so. All right. Well, you take care, stay safe, and good luck with the new album. All right. Thank you so much. Talk Thank to you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay.